through the neutral zone. Comes Connor McDavid. Double team. Got it back. Wrist shot. Score. What a beautiful move. Deep backhand. Went back to the forehand. And welcome back, Connor. His sixth goal of the season is a work of art. Raleigh, he's going to keep it. He hits the five. Hey, Edmonton, that's your quarterback. Mike Riley to the end zone. Touchdown, Eskimo. Ladies and gentlemen, Dagger. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chet. Well, happy Friday to everybody. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Oh, this is going to be so much fun tonight. Because everybody wants P.K. Subban to be an Edmonton Oiler. I'm already getting some wonderful trade suggestions on Twitter. You can also text 630-630. We will also discuss another, another disappointing night for the Edmonton Oilers. They have been far too many. A team that continues to be uh, uncomfortable in close games as it was a close one after the first last night against the Minnesota Wild, and the Wild slowly pulled away. We have seen several teams do that to the Oilers this season, especially recently. Remember when the Oilers were looking pretty good at not folding their hand? That it looked like that was a uh, trait that this team was starting to build? Doesn't look that way anymore. The league gets tougher as the season goes on, and the Oilers simply can't keep pace. We'll talk a little bit about that. Ed Hervey on the show tonight, the general manager of the Edmonton Eskimos. A couple significant signings today, Jacoby Ford and Joe McKnight, both potentially explosive guys in the return game, both of them with NFL experience. Ed will also chime in on the Edmonton Eskimos 2016 schedule, a confounding one, to say the least, Jay Onright on the program tonight. Is he fired? Deported? Why do people keep asking me if Jay doesn't work in L.A. anymore? We'll get to the bottom of that. Mark Kennedy as well. I believe it it is now seven times he has won Alberta Provincials as a curler. He's off to the briar again. We'll catch up with him. And, of course, your thoughts on whatever topic you'd like to chime in on 7804960063 you can text 63630 on twitter i am at reed wilkins bagged milk linus omark and alexei mikhanov should get it done book it for pk suban nate in vegas yakupov reinhardt and a second round pick make it happen courtney Rights to Rejo Rutsalainen and an 11th round draft pick for P.K. Subban. Oh, I love you guys. I just love you. We'll do a little bit more about that uh, later on. All right, so I I, I just want to get straight to this Todd McClellan clip about the third and fourth goals last night, the ones in the second period that gave... uh, the wild control of the game. Well, we talked about the first two. The next two were very weak net play. You know, we have to play with some authority in and around the blue paint. Uh, Cam makes a lot of real good saves for us. Um, you know, he's not going to be able to control every rebound when he doesn't. We have to play with some authority. It can't be a freebie getting to the the Oilers blue paint. 
So we have to do a better job of that. And I thought our back end did a her- terrible job of getting the puck to the net tonight. I think we had five of uh, five of 26 or 27 shot attempts actually got to the net. And I know Darnell dumped a couple in from center ice, so I don't even count those. You know what stands out to me for them from that clip? Well, first of all, weak net play, absolutely. Play with authority. Play with authority. Play like that moment in the game matters a lot to you as an NHL hockey player. Play with authority. Hey, it's not a guarantee to success, but you might at least tie the battle and not give up a goal or keep the puck in the other team's end or get it out just inside your own blue line. Play with authority. Another thing lacking from the Oilers game. I, I mean, this it, it's the, the evaluation period for me is over with this team. And I, I'm, I'm pretty patient, and I try to be th- pretty thoughtful and pretty objective and, and give guys a lot of chances to prove themselves to find out who they are. I'm, I'm done. I, I'm, I'm, I'm done. The evaluation period is done. This is a team that on a whole does not play uh, with detail, does not pay attention to details, can't figure out how to get through another team when they ramp it up, clog up the neutral zone, make life difficult, and they don't play with authority. And I don't know if it's just related to them being out of the playoff race, but, but here it is again, bottom three in the league. Oddly enough, the two Ballyhooed coach additions in the summer, Babcock and McClellan, two worst teams in the league right now. And, and I do think they are both good coaches, and I do think they were good hires by uh, Edmonton and Toronto. So it's, you know, Peter Shirelli's got a big job. There's still going to be opportunity for players here to respond if they want to do it, if they want to take advantage, if they want to play with authority. Somebody please do it. Because there's still, what, 23 games left in the season? You're not going to win many the way it's been going. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Chris from Phoenix is on the line. Chris, thanks for making time for me. Hey, and uh, great show. Uh, kind of watched yesterday's last night's game. Uh, I, I don't know. That was uh, uh, that Taylor Hall goal, sh- goal should have been a, should have been a goal. I don't understand. Uh, they need to. Uh, you know, they're trying to raise goal scoring, and, and they kind of took one away there when it was clearly a goal. Uh, I got a couple comments. Um, one on the PK on this PK Subban little thing that's going on on Twitter. Uh, Friedman Elliot Friedman made a comment saying that the Oilers don't have enough to acquire Peter or uh, Subban. I don't know what he's smoking or whatever because the Oilers are one of the teams that actually has have a lot to offer if uh, PK was on the market. Uh, you know, you got uh, Hall, Drysidle, uh, our first our first round pick this year, a Nurse, Clefbaum. Pretty much anybody on this team other than uh, McDavid is pretty much fair, fair game for me if you're going to try to acquire uh, a P.K. Subban-type uh, defenseman. Um, as far as uh, the Oilers, uh, to me, I don't even know if it's personnel anymore. It's, I, I think this team is just lacking something up top, as in uh, they just don't, don't have it. I don't think they, I don't think they know how to win. I don't think they seem to care to want to win because – Let's face it, we have a lot of talented players on this team. A lot of these players probably were the best players in junior on their team, 
and they come up here and and they just probably just do not know how to win. So it, it's probably going to be time for some of the players that uh, you know we thought were going to be a part of this team for a long time to uh, to get us something better. Uh, and then um, there was some talk that uh, I read Twitter and I listen to the radio and all that stuff. And they asked about Hendricks, and uh, I would love to keep Matt Hendricks here. Um, but uh, from an Oilers standpoint, I would, uh, if I'm Shirelli, I would, uh, you know, approach Hendricks and say, "Look, do you want to be a part of this uh, for the next few seasons, or or do you want to try to go win a cup somewhere and, and leave it up to the player? If he wants to be here, then uh, I'd, I'd re-sign uh, Hendricks wholeheartedly, without a question. And then um, I, I don't know, I don't know what, what we what we do from here, but uh, we, it, it, I got a question: if, if Stamkos. I know I'm beating a drum here, but if Stamkos hits the the free agent market this off season, do you, as Shirelli, do you go and offer him a contract, uh, thinking that he might? I know it's, it's far fetched, but thinking that he might pull a Hosa and take a a discount to come and play with McDavid, maybe for a season or two, to to up his stock a little more because. You know, he'd he'd play with McDavid, and he'd uh, he'd have a, a chance to uh, possibly get that 40, 50 goals again. And uh, that's all I have, Reed. And uh, great show, but okay, thanks, Chris. Well, I, I I'd offer sure if Stamkos were UFA, you'd have to try to talk to him. Uh, I I don't think he would take a discount. I mean, if I if I'm a player, I'm not take I'm not taking a discount. Uh, Chris referenced the uh, Elliot Friedman comment. He was on Oilers now. Brendan Ulrich filling in for Bob Stoffer earlier today. I just want to play that clip. So I'm looking at your roster. If I'm, if I'm, first of all, I'm not convinced you guys could offer enough. Really? Okay. okay. But but if we're going here, you are not getting out of this without at least two of Hall, Dreisaitl, Nurse, and Clefbaum. And, and I'll tell you something else. I'm not convinced. Like, I, I, I really like Nurse and Clefbaum. Do they have Subban's ceiling? No. I don't know if you're doing it then. Huh. Well, what about... Uh... Like, like, I'll tell you something. Like, if I was Bergevin, I'd ask for... Uh, to even consider, I'd ask for both of them and Hall. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Or both of them and Dreisaitl. Whatever you wanted to do. All right, that's what Elliot Friedman thinks, that if the Oilers were going to get P.K. Subban, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because I don't think it's going to happen, uh, Nurse and Clefbaum and one of Hall or Dreisaitl. Yeah, the Oilers might have the pieces to acquire P.K. Subban. The problem is after they made the deal, the only players they would have on the team would be McDavid and Subban who, while both very good players, then you're still trying to build around those guys. 780-496-0063. You can text us at 630-630. A little more on last night's game. Uh, A little more on who I think will and will not be members of the Edmonton Oilers next season. That's when we get back. Inside Sports on Chet. Hi, this is Justin Schultz from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Jet. This texter says, I wish people would stop saying the Oilers have young talent or even talent. Where is it? Watch other teams with actual talent. Huge difference. It was a sales tactic after the Hall draft by the management and the fans are still buying into it. 
Well, I mean, I, I think Taylor Hall has talent. I think Connor McDavid has talent. Uh, I, I do like the general gist of that text, though, is that the, the, the one myth about this team is that they're an offensive team. They aren't. They're in the bottom 10 in goals four. They've been there every year except one since Taylor Hall was drafted, and in that year I believe they were 18th. I wrote a blog on this a couple of weeks ago. Right, this team has problems defending. This team also does not score. The Edmonton Oilers do not score. They do not score at a healthy enough rate to make them anywhere near the playoffs. They, they really don't. And, I mean, there are many reasons for that. Part of it is that, yes, they are weak defensively and they don't get the puck out of their own end and they don't transition the puck up enough. Sure. Another huge problem is is that they rarely forecheck. They rarely actually have extended sessions of forechecking. They actually did it a... They had a pretty good first period last night, i got to say that. I mean, again, without the penalties, you're probably up 2 nothing after the first, but they took the penalties. They find another way to lose the game. You know what else I, I, I'd like to ask everybody? Think about all the wounds the Oilers have suffered this year. Every time they've taken a bruise, you know, a figurative bruise on the Oilers' body. How many of them have been self-inflicted? What percentage of the Oilers' misery this season do you think has been self-inflicted? Bad penalty, bad goal against, bad decision. It's, it would be an uncomfortably high percentage, I would think. We got Greg on the line, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Good evening, Greg. How's your Friday night? It's uh, pretty good. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I enjoy your show. I've never called in, so great to have you. Uh, my comment is: uh, I went to the game last night. I drove three hours from out of town to get to the game. I took some people, went out for supper. Uh, you know, the first period was great. Uh, the first penalty was, you know. On the replay, really, the refs, they don't cut the Oilers any slack. And, uh, you know, I don't want to be a, a referee blamer, but that first penalty on Schultz was, you know, pretty egregious. The guy was holding his stick. I mean, he really should have just let his stick go. But what are you going to do? They score a goal. You're, you're behind the eight ball right out the gate. Uh, they didn't quit. The, you know, they had some pushback. But second period, again, not bad. Third period, it was like, you know, it was painful to watch as an Oilers fan. Mm-hmm. There was no forecheck. Uh, there are some big guys on the Oilers that are in the top six that are supposed to be going into the corners to uh, get the puck out, do some board work. They are the softest players on the team. They are the easiest players to get the puck from. They're named Postar with P. Uh, at any rate, uh, I wanted to comment on the Subban deal, what Elliot Friedman said. Uh, he's obviously a member of his fan club. Is <laughs> Subban worth $9 million a year? I, I don't think so. Uh, you know, the, to give away all of that stuff, like his nurse is upside as big? I don't know. I don't I, think I so. Need to see the, I need to see the stats between what Subban did in his first year and what Nurse is doing in his first year on a probably a much worse team in a much more difficult role because so much more is expected of him. You know, he's uh, playing, what, second... D minutes, third D minutes. Uh, you know, was Subban thrust into that role? Did he have other support? Uh, you know, much better defensive team, I think, when Subban joined the, the Habs. So, two years from now, uh, you know, I like Nurse. I don't think we should give him up. Well, Nurse uh, has eight points in 49 games this season. He has 38 penalty minutes. He's minus seven. 
PK as a rookie uh, had 38 points in 77 games. And, wow, he had 124 penalty minutes. Uh, so he, now how old was he? He was 20 when he became a regular. And, uh, yeah, so the age is comparable as well. I think I think Subban has, has a better... Um, I, I think Subban's a better player than Nurse. I, I understand what you're saying. I just think if you're Montreal, and, and if this happens, and I don't think it's going to, but obviously you're going to ask for the moon, right? Right. But like if you could do it, if you could do it for a Nurse and a Nugent Hopkins, like there was the talk of a little earlier, that I would consider. Uh, but throwing, uh, you know, having two defensemen and a good forward, not a chance. Right. Not a chance. Well, I think you also make a good point about Purcell and, and Pouliot, inconsistent players, and th- this is a team that doesn't recover the puck. It doesn't wear the other team down. Greg, to be honest, uh, I know Hall's body language last night was not very good, uh, and I can see his frustration, and it is, I think, uh, you know, you want to be the guy that goes over and slaps the guy on the pad and says, hey, we'll we'll do it better next time, but turning the puck over in, in bad instances, uh, making blind passes, uh, weak on the puck, and, you know, Hall's in there, and, you know, I'm not a super Hall fan, but I see he's, he's, he's given it everything he's got. Uh, we need everybody to give it everything they got, because I'll tell you, last night, the six hours of driving, uh, you know, all the cash I spent in Edmonton, <laughs> you know, that's, it's painful to see such a lackluster effort. Uh, that's I guess that's the bulk of my call. So, Greg, yeah, I appreciate the it. Is, the other thing is, don't everybody panic. I mean, I, it'd be great if they're not going to make the playoffs, but I do not want to see them pick first overall, honestly. I mean, it's embarrassing. Well, it could happen, unfortunately. Greg, thanks a lot for calling. You bet. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Phone lines are open if you want to chime in. I want to catch up on some texts as well. The six thirty six thirty inside sports on six thirty. Chad, uh, by the way, a couple of people asking when uh, On Right is going to be on. Actually, both Jay On Right and Ed Hervey on between seven and eight this evening. We're back after the news. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. So the Edmonton Oil Kings are in action tonight, taking on Brandon. That's in Brandon. We'll keep you updated on that one. In the NHL tonight, the Islanders lead the Devils 1-0 late in the second period. After 2, Carolina up 2-1 on San Jose. The Sabres, a 2-zip lead on the Blue Jackets late in the second period. After 1, the Flyers and the Habs are tied 1-1. The Canucks and the Flames still to come. Of course, the Oilers play tomorrow, Game 5 of their 6-game homestand. As we look at your Action Furnace Oilers report, Action Furnace, by the way, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee, you can visit actionfurnace.ca. 6.30 face-off show here on 6.30, Chad. The game will start at 8. The Oilers were off today. Of course, the collective bargaining agreement says that teams have to get four full days off a month, and with the way the travel and the games go for the Oilers in February, they don't have a lot of options. And uh, and remember, if if you travel, that counts as a work day, even if you're not practicing or playing. So uh, the Oilers have to have today off, and they're going to have to take Sunday off as well. So unfortunately, the practice time uh, a little limited that they're getting in February. Avalanche tomorrow, Senators on Tuesday. 
to uh, close out the six-game homestand. The Oilers are 1-2-1 one, and one so far. Obviously, they have uh, lost their last three. They only got the single point against the Jets. Uh, Kellen Kennedy on their side of the window. They have not had the lead, have they? No. Since they beat the Maple Leafs. Nope. But the Jets, uh, they were down one nothing. Mm-hmm. Right, Hendricks tied it. Uh, they never led against Anaheim, did they? Never no. led at all. And nope. never, never led last night against nope. the Minnesota Wild. Nope. All right. That's not good. Playing uphill ain't easy. Absolutely. 635, Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Uh, Jay Onright in half an hour, Ed Hervey in one hour. Uh, I just want to read some text here. Brian says, P.K. Subban just donated $10 million to the Montreal Children's Hospital. He's not going anywhere. You know, Brian, I... Obviously, part of me having fun with that. I, I don't think he's going to be traded by the Montreal Canadiens. I know it's saying, oh, well, they were considering you know options, whatever. I don't think it happens. Gill says, uh, hey, Reed, couldn't agree with you more on the forechecking comment. The Oilers don't forecheck with any urgency at all. It all stems from my comment last night. We have grit on the back end defensively, but nobody leading with talent and hard work. Uh, I am agreeing with you 100% on the evaluation period time for some good players. Or, sorry, he didn't miss a period there. I am agreeing with you 100% on the evaluation period. Stop. Uh, Time for some good players to poop or get off the pot. That's from Gil. We can say poop, right? It's after six. That's fair, yeah. By the way, if anybody was listening to Overtime Open Line last night, which that that was a carnival of fun, that show. There, there, were, there were some great fan suggestions last night. Did I miss something last night? Uh, well, somebody said they got to call Gaz to Clinkhammer and, and Kara up to uh, to fight people and intimidate people. Uh, another guy said they're going to win their next four games. I asked why, and he his answer was basically because the fans are going to believe and make it happen. Uh, and then if there was if there was a point in overtime open line last night when you were listening and it sounded like uh, it kind of like there was a break or it skipped the conversation skipped. It's because a dude dropped an f bomb. So we got this. Is it? Are we on seven second delay right now? We are on a seven second delay oh, right now. Okay. So if somebody says something, one of the bad words. I have an abort button, and right. you have an abort button. So then it takes yeah. it out of delay and goes to live. Yep. So the seven seconds in which the naughty word was said uh, will be eliminated. And why seven seconds? That's just CRTC mandate. There's nothing special well, it's about the number. Well, because seven's a lucky number, Kellen That's right. Exactly. Uh, so anyway, the guy was actually pretty entertaining. He called in and said he'd been doing Zambuca shots, and then he uh, he used the bad word. So we, we, we can't we can't put that to air, as entertaining as it, it might have been. But there's, there were some neat calls last night. Oh, uh, plus the guy who said that uh, Schultz doesn't play well because he's been ostracized by his teammates. That, way he, that he just needs more friends on the team. That was an interesting call as well. All theories are welcome. Uh, I just can't promise that uh, I won't mock some of them. <laughs> You're allowed to mock me, too. That's okay. Um, Magic Mike, who's had two movies made about him, says, Reed, you hit the nail on the head. The Oilers never forecheck. And that's because the first-round picks never had to be the forechecker in their junior careers. This won't work unless we make some lopsided deals. Defense wins championships. Two people agreeing with me in one night. That is scary. Uh, Brian says, Hard to blame the coaching staff when one-third of his defense in terms of Clendenning and Schultz should be in Bakersfield. Another third of the defense are in their first year in the NHL. We know they have to mature as good as they've been. And his best defenseman is injured. So the first-year D-man 
uh, Nurse and uh, Davidson, and Brian calling uh, Oscar Clefbaum the best defenseman being uh, injured tonight. All fair thoughts. Oh, I got to read this one. Who is this one from? This the, this person didn't sign their name, but they put some effort into the text, so I want to read it. Read so many calls and texts want to trade for defensemen. So let's draw some parallels between the recent Oilers and the post two thousand Blackhawks. Bottom of the standings for years, so great draft positions. Changes in scouting, management, and coaching in a new building. The significant differences are the Oilers fans obviously have a higher threshold for attending consecutive brutal seasons. And number two, the Hawks scouted wisely and drafted with depth in mind for a decade, something the Oilers simply failed to do, and that's why Bakersfield is so thin. So the big question is, how does Shirelli address this? I'm sure he's aware it won't be accomplished by simply trading for one or two quality defensemen. Uh, that is an early candidate for text of the night. Often it's a humorous text that wins that award. We do have a plaque. Um, that's just a completely logical and reasonable text. Peter Shirelli has a huge job in front of him. And, and you're right, there's, there's, not, there's not a lot on the farm in terms of A or even B-grade prospects, I don't think. I, I think there are some are encouraging signs. Sure, Brassois got a chance, absolutely. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, look at what Ottawa did in the FNUF trade. Uh, the one, I, I can't remember the guy's name now because I got a bad memory for stuff like this. But Brian Murray in, in the news conference after the trade said, well, I hated to give up this prospect to the Leafs because he's really good, but we got this guy and this guy. I mean, could you list off three really good prospects the Oilers have on the farm team that would be of, of great desire by other teams. I don't, I don't think you can. You could list off some young players in the NHL that I think would be desirable on other teams, and Elliot Friedman said, hey, Nurse Clefbaum, sure. Um, on, on the farm, I mean, are there guys that you could throw into the trade that aren't throw-ins, if you know what I mean, right? <laughs> like if you could, you could add to a trade... And the other team thinks, oh, okay, yeah, that actually, you know, I'll, I'll take that potential, sure. I, I don't know if you have a lot of guys there that, that fit that bill. 641 Inside Sports on 630 Chet, 780-496-0063. You can also uh, text 630-630. So I, I, was, I was thinking along these lines. I mean, look, we, we know the, uh, the offense needs, the, the roster needs an overhaul. So I was thinking, who who's back next year? Realistically, how extreme can can the roster changes be? The only player, actually, that's not true. That's not true. I, I will say there are three players that I can say with 100% certainty, in my mind, who will be on the team next year. Now, there are many that I, I'd be 80% or higher. But the three players who I would say 100% for sure are going to be on the Oilers next year in the NHL are, duh, Connor McDavid. Okay? Andre Sekera, because he has a no-trade clause, and Cam Talbot, because he's been signed to be the goalie. Because I, I believe of the three $6 million guys, Hall, Nugent, Hopkins, and Eberle, I'm 100% certain one of them will be on the team. And I'd say I'm 70 to 75% certain two of them will be on the team. I'm pretty much 100% certain one of them won't be. 
that that you know there's there's he's gonna he's gonna trade one of these at some point because you can get something, and as many of you have pointed out, clearly something isn't working with that mix of players. It doesn't mean they're bad players or bad people. It means something isn't working. And and as I have started saying on this show, if you're Peter Shirelli, what are you afraid of? Finishing 33rd? I mean, you can't go lower than the Oilers have been for the last six years. Bought what? Bottom three in the league every year. Uh, except for one year, they got up to 24th. So still in the bottom third of the league. Now, I don't know what the... Look... Again, what's the deal going to be? We could talk trade proposals till we're blue in the face, but because of cap issues, maybe McDavid's going to get paid a lot once his ELC is over. So I just think it makes sense, given the mix, given the failures, and I'm not putting the failures specifically on any of those guys because there's a lot that went wrong. Well, one of those guys will be gone. I would be pretty sure, you know, 90% Oscar Clefbaum is here. Same for Darnell Nurse. Um, Purcell, I'd say he's traded. Schultz, I would say he's traded. Hendricks, uh, Chris from Phoenix, bottom up. Does he have some cachet to be treated? A trader? I know a lot of you would miss him, but do you think a team with some playoff aspirations wouldn't mind adding someone of Hendricks's caliber in terms of his commitment and his character and his work ethic? We got Sean on the line, 780-496-0063. Sean, thanks for making time for Inside Sports on a Friday night. No worries. How you doing, Reed? Doing well. Reed, uh, my question, and uh, I guess not my question, but uh, my thought is on the CFL here. You know, we look at the players that we have coming into this league and imports and also Canadians, but do we not want to continue to grow our, our uh, fan base and, and have continue competition i look at i look at what we do here as far as the uh salary base and if we were to increase ten dollars a ticket within the uh canadian market on a 10 game homestand we're looking at two million dollars a year how many how many players are there uh, in a roster a year okay we're talking canadian football league yeah Okay, well, you switch gears on me. I mean, counting the practice roster, they'd, they'd have around 60 guys, right? Hockey. Just go with uh, the, play, the players that uh, are on the field. How many How many are there? Oh, what do they dress for a game? 46 now, I think? So each player, if we were to dress 46 players, okay, at $10 per ticket holder, and I'm seeing this on 20,000 people showing up to the to the stadium per game. That's $43,000 extra per player. Don't you think that we would get a better caliber of players stating that, what's the average, uh, 60000 Well, n- no, Sean, I don't think you would because American players and the best Canadian players want to play in the NFL. It's the best league in the world. Even if, even if you increase the average player's salary in the CFL, by pick a number, ten, fifty thousand dollars $50,000, it doesn't matter. It's still way less than the National Football League. I don't disagree with that, but I, I, what, I, what I look at is if you look at the uh, average college player that decides after they're done college in the U.S., unfortunately, the U.S. players are, I'm going to say, 7 out of 10. That's an, that, I think that's a, a big number. 
better than Canadian players. So at an extra 43000 so you're making $100,000 a year to play, continue playing football. I mean, number one, I think our, our, uh, our salaries are way too low. Number two, I believe that we need to increase it in order to bring the competition to our game. If we're a professional team, let's play, pay our players as a professional salary. Well, Sean, I, want, I, I, I mean, Hervey's coming up later, so we'll talk football. And I, I just, I understand what you're saying. I just don't know if a lot of fans are are willing to pay that. In a lot of markets, they they struggle to sell tickets to the CFL. Unfortunately, we're lucky in Edmonton because it's still pretty popular. Um, no, but that's but in, $100. if that's a hundred dollars, hundred dollars, and that's easy math, right? On twenty thousand, sure. But I think you probably like football more than a lot of people. No, actually, I don't. I'm an okay. average fan. Okay. I'm an average fan, but I'd, I'd rather see... I would watch more football if I knew the players were making good money, that they didn't have to get a second job. Right. Well, most I guys don't work two jobs anymore. Not they would... Uh, we would get maybe the players that decided to stop playing after college that we could actually get brought into the Canadian Football League and increase the amount of intensity and the amount of people that want to play. Okay. I think we would have a better brand of football. Okay. Sean, I appreciate you calling, man. Thanks for thanks for getting your point across. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah no worries. Okay, okay, that is Sean. Wayne, you're up next on the open line. i got to take a quick time out, though. It's 648 Inside Sports on Chet. Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. What band is this? ACDC. Oh, this is ACDC. Yes. You see Weezer put out another album? Again? The White Album? Really? Yeah, it's like just a little over a year after they put out uh, Everything Will Be All Right in the End. Which oh. I actually enjoy. Yeah, that was alright, but just, wow. Don't they mind a little Weezer. Don't mind a little Weezer. They have to have like... 20-plus albums out now. Uh, I think they got 10, maybe? It's in double digits, definitely, now. 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. We got Wayne on the line. Wayne, thanks for waiting through the break. How are you doing? Hello, Reed. Hey. Go ahead, man. Um, hey, Reed. The uh, question is, do you think they got Kevin McClellan too early? Uh, Todd McClellan? Todd, sorry, Todd McClellan. I mean, really, they went through all this process, finding the best coach, the best this, the best that, and, you know, what are they going to finish, 28, 29? I think they will need a McClellan at some point in the future, but are they ready for him now? Well, I guess... Shelf life. I, I guess if I were going to be snarky, Wayne, I, I would say, do you think the Toronto Maple Leafs got Mike Babcock too early? Absolutely. Okay. But, I mean, how do you know you're going to get a coach of that caliber later? Yeah, that that's true. And I know McClellan and Babcock both saw the writing on the wall and they got out of their current situation before before their value dropped and, and good of them to do that. But uh, I just think, you know, the Oilers, uh, at this point, you know, by the time they get good enough to appreciate him, they're not going to appreciate him. 
you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you're saying. I, I don't think I see it that way, Wayne, just because I, I think he's a good coach. He's talked about that building that foundation. Part of the foundation is Connor McDavid, so I don't mind McClellan's year one being McDavid's rookie year. I, I think that's productive, and I think it's important that, that those two guys are in, in step because if there is any player that is going to be here when McClellan's in the fifth and final year of his deal, it's Connor McDavid. So I don't mind that, that that's going to be the coach he goes into his 20s with, personally. Uh, I'll agree with McDavid, uh, Bart. That's, that's for sure. I mean, that will speed up the Oilers' process. So do you, um, Wayne, is it your position then that McClellan's teachings are being wasted on this team because they just can't do it yet? I think so. Yeah. I mean, for one thing, you just mentioned that there's going to be some turnover this year. Yep. They can't keep finishing at this, you know, in the bottom, uh, out of the playoffs and not expect turnover. And uh, I I think that uh, some of the players that he's, he's teaching now will be will be somewhere else. So I guess so. So Wayne, let me just let me just ask you this. It's it's a hypothetical. Would have you said let's keep Todd Nelson for a year? Would have you said because we can't go? We I mean we can't. We can only go back so far with the what ifs. Shirelli was in charge. Would have you kept Todd? I mean, here's the thing, Wayne. I just don't know how McClellan could have been available and Shirelli could have said no, 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 no. I'm just going to not get him right now because he's too good for us. Like that. If that's your argument, I have I kind of have trouble going along with that. I guess, you know, we need to ask about Nelson. I think he's a good coach. He's probably done more for the team in the last two or three years than anyone. Um, I texted Stauffer two years ago and said they should just hire Bob for a coach, give him 200 grand and a bar cap, <laughs> and let him go. How much worse can they do? Um, and, and the reason for that, they you know, they were rolling coaches, rolling coaches, and, and really, for what? I mean, that's like, I think my text to Stoffer was, you know, you're you're looking for the best jockey to ride a Clydesdale. And, and so they kept flipping coaches. I mean, right from Rennie on, really, they didn't have a chance. And, you know, I, at least with Nelson, it, for his sake, probably just as well he didn't stay because he would have been one and done. And McClellan's established, he'll stick it out. They're not going to get rid of him. You know, he'll be fine. And, and at the end of his five years, you know, maybe he lasts five, maybe he doesn't. You know, maybe he's four or whatever. Yeah. Um, he's got enough of a reputation. He'll get another job in the league. Whereas I don't know, you know, two of the last guys they let go may never get another shot in the NHL. Yeah. Well, Kruger's an interesting case because he, he might have been – able to but uh i mean he's i mean he's in the english premier league so he's he's doing okay wayne i got a break for the news thanks for calling man thank you 7804960063 if uh, you're on hold for the open line i can get to you quickly after the seven o'clock news jay onright and ed hervey in the next hour